I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. Simmer down with John Simpson. Brady Kachuk with the tip. His 100th goal. It is 300th game, and it's a Gordie Howe hat trick to tie it. The sickest Ottawa Senators podcast. It's going to be sick. Well, hello, everyone. Here we are in the old North Manitick estate. And of course, it's high noon in the nation's capital. It's around 6 p.m. over in Stockholm, Sweden. And what does it mean? It means a little time for a little simmer down and kind of cool with the switch out we end up having here, of course, guys. A little 2 p.m. puck drop. So hopefully we're a little tune-up, a little opportunity. Been cool to see all the fans over in Sweden, about 150, ready to now get ready to rock and roll get down to business here. Been a whole lot of fun off the ice, all the team bonding, all the things going on. Uh, But now it's time to play some hockey and a very important two points as they face the Detroit Red Wings today. And of course, like to welcome in my usual co-host and my wingman, Justin Murray. How are you doing on this game day, brother? Good, good. good. Sun's out, sun's play and uh, mortgage done already. So life is good. Oh, nice, nice. (laughs) A little work in before and after never hurts, eh? And I don't think that these uh, these game times are kind of unique, right? And some people are always pointing and always complaining about, uh, well, it's a 2 p.m. start. You think you'd have it on. Let's be honest. Is Detroit and Ottawa. And I'm not being disrespectful. Detroit used to be considered a hockey town. But I think we realize on the uh, footprint of what's going on in the National Hockey League, Justin, Ottawa-Detroit kind of plays to those two markets and hopefully plays to Stockholm this afternoon or, or tonight uh, again, good old Sweden. Yeah, it should be a good game. I mean, uh, long history for Swedish uh, players on both sides, so it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see what the rink, uh, how many fans are on each side. I saw mm-hmm. a little picture uh, from the Sens training staff of uh, what the rink actually looks like inside. It looks beautiful, so um, should be a great uh, great experience for both teams, and uh, will be cool for the fans to watch that are there, but also that get to watch a two p.m. game here on a Thursday afternoon with the good weather here. Yeah, I've been to that rink many a time, and I've got to say, as you go in, first of all, people have seen it, quite simply looks like a globe. Uh, as you're going in, I'd say from the architecture in and around it, a whole lot of concrete. And then, of course, when you look at, and I was very curious before I went in, Justin, kind of trying to understand of, you got all these seats, and they kind of slope up towards, of course, what is almost hanging off of a ride at the roller coaster 
And then you got Silesia used to have some suites up top that had this crazy angle that were behind. So as far as sight lines, uh, pretty unique building, pretty cool building. Uh, most times in the past have been set up for the old 200 by 100. We won't see yeah. that. And as far as the Swedish angle, I think it is interesting because the forefront of this game is now Daniel Alfredson, who we'll talk about coaching. and will be on the bench for Ottawa and Nicholas Lidstrom. And I thought it was interesting. You've got Eric Branstrom and old Branny there. Nice for him. I know he's a first round pick, but we're not exactly mm -hmm. talking about a household name in Sweden. And so hopefully he has a good day. And I thought some foreshadowing by Nicholas Lidstrom when he kind of touched on, you know what? All we have is Mason Raymond right now, but it's like we're restocking. Stevie Wise back. He knows that we need more Swedes in the lineup. So I think for that. And and when you were with Ottawa, hey, you guys leaned on the Swedes quite a bit as well, right? Had a real uh, some real nice picks out of that area, Justin. Yeah, I, th I think I think that was just before my time. But we did take England, who there's a big defenseman that ends up playing on three you know in the league after three different teams mm -hmm. um but yeah there was a ottawa when my dad was there had a a bunch of swedes um and, and they're just character character people you never have to yeah. worry about those types of guys um it's great to have in your organization they get along with you know the euros they get along with the north americans um just easy easy peasy with those guys yeah, and you also kind of look to when you point to every player that comes through. You always look at development, and I think it's a unique one. When you go back to Trey, uh, Trace Mika's advantage, you have a high pick like that. I believe his team over in Sweden at the time, Justin, was relegated, right? So there wasn't yeah. the opportunity to still play there. What do you do? Do you bring him over, play him in the American Hockey League? You put him in the National Hockey League? And, you know, it's funny, his time here in Ottawa, he was an excellent hockey player, but everybody always wanted a little more, and you kind of wonder some of the pushing. I remember the one year he got sent down by Paul McLean, and unfortunately, from a sense perspective like a lot of players went somewhere else and figured it out you know got to new york a uh, little bit of tough love from some of the coaching there uh, but finally uh, blossom into and i gotta think behind the scenes i don't know him seemed like a real good guy but really just the maturity kicked in and he realized hey if i'm gonna make this work here want to be paid like a superstar player on the biggest stage in the world in msg i gotta start putting the work in off the ice yeah, I, I think he was a guy that was just so naturally had such natural ability um, that you always wanted more with him. Um, but that happens with a lot of guys in the league. It doesn't happen just with Ottawa uh, players. You know, the they Dubois guys like that. You get traded. Mm -hmm. It kind of snaps you back to reality a little bit, and and it pushes you. You know, it's like getting fired from a job or getting going to a new job. You're just gonna. Mm -hmm. You're going to work that much more to prove, um, and that usually turns you into a player if you have any character in you at all. Yeah, and enough of the good times, enough of the talk. Uh, how is it from a sense perspective? Because it really has been very cool. What we've seen behind the scenes with the fans, we've seen some bonding, having a little fun with pickleball slash whatever paddleball it is they play over in Sweden. So you've had the bonding, you've had that. But I've got to think it quickly, and I don't think it would have left the coach's mind the entire trip. Your realization is this isn't some exhibition series. This isn't in the middle of the summertime. Now with about two hours till puck drop, Justin, it is quite simply ready to get down to business. And from an auto center's perspective, from coaches to players to everybody else, is really focusing in, and I hate to say this, but it is with a divisional game. It is from where you're coming, where you've been so far to start the season. It is one hell of an important two points here this afternoon slash evening in Stockholm. Yeah, this, I mean, this sets the tone for your trip, but also sets the tone for kind of the next part of the season. Um, so, and it, and it's obviously a division game. There's, you know, that Debrinkat situation. Um, I, so there's a lot of lot going into it. I, I, I love that Alfie's on the bench. He's going to bring that competitiveness mm -hmm. on top of yeah. everything already. Uh, he's very good at all the little things. Um, so I think he'll be, he'll be in guys' ears. He'll be getting them going. Um, I think there's no harm at all to, 
have him there. And I think it's only going to be positives. And, and obviously he's going to be proud because he is a Swede, but I really, mm. really, really, you know, mm. we talk about details in the game. I mean, mm-hmm. this guy is pure details, pure mindset, puck possession, mm-hmm. everything you want out of a player, him talking to those guys on the ice after every shift. I, I got to think it's only going to be good things. Yeah. And I'm very curious on that around 1220, Matthew Barney, will join us. We'll have an opportunity to talk about different things, including obviously the Sens Detroit, uh, very dialed in. But as far as Daniel Alfredson, curiosity on this, he's around the hockey team. And I think that's nothing but a positive. But what's also interesting from a practice standpoint, I know he's been doing a fair amount of talking now as you get onto the bench and what we've seen featured most of this year. Uh, we saw Ben Sexton for a little bit. He has shifted off of the bench. We've seen a little bit of Bobby Jones. God, I'll go my old teammate from the Sioux uh, when healthy. But basically, you have the three-man group. You have DJ Smith. You have Jack Capuan on the back end. And, of course, Davis Payne. So I am curious from Alfie's standpoint, it's one thing to be invited onto the bench. It's another thing to suddenly be teaching moments, getting involved. And without a doubt, that's one of the critiques and one of the things we've talked about here with the Ottawa Centers. Unfortunately, playing properly has not exactly been a strength of the hockey team. So is this a couple of games of just get on the bench, you know, kind of saluting the greatest set of all time, one of the great Swedish players? Or as you said, is he going to feel comfortable enough to step on the toes to some extent of a Davis Payne to a DJ Smith and really start teaching? And has that been going on behind the scenes, uh, Justin? Yeah. I'm curious of that because it's certainly something that if you were an open-minded coaching staff, you'd have a realization of this has not been a strength of ours right it's, now. Let's get Elfie there and let's get him involved. It's funny, like when you hit, listen to DJ now, that he's, he's talking about some of the things we talk about on the pod. I doubt he's listening, but I think it's coming mm-hmm. from all angles too, you know. Oh, so, yeah. um, but having Alfie there, I mean, he's he's a confident guy. He doesn't want to step on people's toes, but uh, I think the way he's going to approach it is just little little tips here and there, little tips here and there, little shots at guys to get them going, um, and those things add up on the bench, and and, and they're going to give some confidence to the players as well um, when. When you're struggling at certain things, like coaches aren't going to be always good at everything that, uh, you know, they're, they're going to be players, coaches or ta- more tactical, whatever you mm-hmm. like it. Um, maybe the best ones are good at everything, but um, it's when you can add a guy to help where you might not be great at on the bench. Um, I think that's always a good thing. And then he's probably not going to be on there all the time. Obviously it's, it's in Sweden, but uh, he's at practices more. He's getting more involved. He's in the room. He's just talking to guys, just, just getting his vibe, seeing him play, you know, pickleball or whatever it is and being the most competitive guy out there. And he's hasn't been in the league for, you know, five, six, seven, eight years. And it, it, it brings something to the team um, and it rubs off. Um, and, it, and it's going to bring the competitive side out of everyone. And, and when you're competitive and you want to win in everything you do, you're just going to be naturally better and, and you're going to win more games. Yeah, I agree on that. But it is, again, the fine line, some of the direction that has to happen in a situation like this. He's involved. Now, let's get to some of the politics, some of the dynamics. DJ Smith's yeah. not a stupid guy. Anyone that's been around sports, I link things into good old Newport sports. We brought that up. And, of course, that's yeah. a group led by Donnie Meehan, uh, Pat yeah. Morris, Craig Oster. Talked about Craig Oster. Name has been thrown out there as far as a general manager. Of course, he is the uncle of uh, Brady and Matthew Kachuk, married, yeah. or his sister married uh, Keith Kachuk. And then you get into Pat Morris. 
who represented DJ Smith when he played, didn't play a ton, still represented him, had Steve Stayos, nothing to do with Alfie, but you start to understand some of the politics involved here. If you're DJ Smith, the players have got my back. It feels like Steve Stayos in conjunction with, and I'm not saying it's Pat Morris, but this feels pretty good. Like, Hey, you know what? We like DJ want to give him every opportunity. Certainly you are smart to involve Alfie, but at the same time, to me, Justin, when I look at a situation like this, you have to, if you're Steve Steos, you have to have a bit of a meeting at the same time because it's not comfortable for Daniel Alfredson to hop in and suddenly be looking around. And if you're only on kind of symbolically for a couple of games. So when I'm a coaching staff and if you're a good coaching staff, you're right. You're not going to be perfect, but I don't think the Sens are very well balanced in a sense of DJ Smith is a player's coach. He is a great guy. You know, we don't know. I yep. know Jack Capiano is highly, highly, you know, experienced. But when we look at the defensive defenseman and the play, then we look at over the overall team play. It hasn't been that strong. So when I see somebody like Alfie, as you said, he has all of that skill set. Now, does he have the comfort level of not just saying, hey, come on. And, you know, you're given, you know, a little tip to the player. No. Are there is there ability to have some of the teaching moments and ultimately kind of bring that together? Because, as you said, with Daniel Albertson, you know, he's going to hang around DJ Smith and he's going to be positive. He wants to send yeah. the win, but he's also not a yes man. He's not one of those guys no. that all of a sudden he gets behind the bench and realizes, you know what? This isn't working very good. There is no accountability. There is no teaching. There is no structure. That's an interesting part that, again, I know it's not winning trumps everything, but a little bit of politics mission at the same time, Justin. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Alfie's not going to be there um, in practices and all that stuff unless his voice is being heard. Um, he's he, That's just who he is. So um, I got to think that they're they're going to give him a free range. And, and Alfie, no, that's just, you know, he'll be able to talk to guys. I, I'm, I'm sure of it. Um, so I'm not worried there at all because I, I just don't think he'd be doing it if, uh, if he couldn't. So, um, I, yeah, I think it's all positives on that note. Yeah. And from a lineup standpoint, uh, hasn't been a whole lot going on. They of no. course brought Zub over. It looks like he is going to check back in, yep. which I think is a real positive from a travel standpoint, being able to hop in. Uh, he is the anchor. I don't want to say solidifies totally the D because Sanderson's outstanding, but at least as far as the right side, yeah. it looks very different. Uh, DJ Smith, for whatever reason over the years, uh, has not wanted to name his number one goaltender, going to assume and be shocked if Corpus Allo doesn't start today. I'd also like to see him start Saturday should he play well. So I think those are the only announcements as far as a lineup. Uh, nothing big. And I guess from my standpoint, always a checklist to kind of go through when it comes game time. Once again, Matthew Joseph and Stutzel, whatever line they've been playing on with Drew, has been outstanding. Yep. Did we have a chance this week, Justin, the curiosity I have, when you have a few days to practice, to actually get some reps in, maybe spend a little time together, what are we going to see from the Kachuk uh, Norris Tarasenko? A little TNT action. Uh, yeah. That's my curiosity. If just just a little bit more time, you know what I mean? Because you don't practice much during the year. Uh, can no. we see them kind of connect a little bit? It appears to have all the right parts, but it hasn't. Well, it's it's only been a short sample size, but it hasn't quite clicked yet. No, hundred percent. I mean, Norris has been off, you know, for a while too. So, so he's just naturally going to take a little more time, but, and there's games, he's going to look really good. And then there's going to be games that he's just like, man, because it's hard to be consistent when you haven't played a ton of hockey in the last year. Um, but I, I think each game with those, with that line, I think it's going to get better and better. Um, I got to think Brady's going to come out firing here tonight, uh, mm-hmm. or, you know, in the next hour and a half um, you know we can go with be, tonight or this afternoon yeah, you can go because it, yeah, it is basically afternoon. it's going to be eight yeah, o'clock in stockholm exactly so so i think he's going to be coming out firing um and then that's just going to drag that line into it i think tarasenko 
um, with his puck ability, his shot, his ability to see the ice and, and have lanes open because of his shot is going to uh, get that going, get that line going tonight. Um, and they're probably going to see the second uh, group of defensemen, I would say. So um, if they could capitalize on that, uh, I don't like Detroit's defense as a whole. Um, I, I, you know, I'm massive Mort Sider fan. Um, uh, but other than that, you know, it, it's just very, you know, second or third pair defensemen. Um, so I, if they can take advantage of that tonight, uh, I think that's, that would be very, very important. And I, I got to think that's going to happen here tonight. Yeah, I totally agree. And you look at the Detroit team, very anonymous, and I don't follow them. To me, they feel very kind of vanilla. Uh, What we have seen, though, is basically from a scoring standpoint, they're a mirror image of Ottawa, defensively kind of a mirror image, not great, but good at scoring. Since the last time we checked in, the old cat, Mr. Dabrinka, was absolutely on fire. I think he was at nine goals. Now he's sitting at 10. So he has cooled off a little bit. Still be the focus. Now he'll be happy not to be getting booed a whole lot as this is an Ottawa home game. And as you go through the goal scoring leaders, it's interesting now at 13 is math. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A -a one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Uh, Kyle Connor and now Brock Bester. So a little born in the USA when we yeah, look at what's going on. Massive but, Connor, Kyle Connor fan. Oh, massive man. Connor. Isn't he fun to watch, uh, eh? Yeah, you know, oh, some of the draft so team. Yeah, between yeah. he and Ehlers and Shifley. And you saw yeah. Morrissey, who last year I thought should have won the Norris Trophy. It was yeah. so good for them. But that Detroit group, uh, and that's where you do get into some of the importance. And you follow. And we touched on yesterday with the standings of Ottawa's not that far behind, and I'm watching Edmonton now see as they're climbing. It's just a sheer volume of teams that you have to hop over, and and you start to play the interdivisional games like Detroit, and you know you start to say, hey, this is it's a four pointer. So that's where again, I think that it's going to be very business like, and I'm really expecting. uh, I don't know energy level because it's tough to measure all the athletes per se, Justin. But I just get the sense there, like you said, from Brady setting the tone, just to feel good around the group right now. uh, They're going to be ready to rock and roll come puck drop tonight. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, I mean, we keep saying it. This is the time to step on it here, and I got to think. Uh, mm-hmm. I got to think they will. And now, speaking of stepping on it, Matthew Barnaby's <laughs> here, uh, so oh, I nice. guess we'll bring him on. <laughs> How are we doing? I'm good, guys. How are you? I was over prepared. I was ready at eleven twenty. Oh, nice, Barney. Yeah. Hey, oh, and you're looking sharp as well. Are you in the man cave at home, or where are you at these days? I am. I am. I finally got home. I was on the road for, for a while in California and Vegas and a little bit all over the map, Vancouver, but nice to be home. I actually headed to Buffalo on uh, Saturday morning for 
Bills Jets. Oh, nice. Oh, baby. Wow. Yeah. Now you got your Jets jersey for the fans that don't realize Barney's a massive Jets fan. So do you, now, now do you get the do you get the respect? I know you're well known in Buffalo, um, but when you roll in with your Jets jersey, what's the reaction? Not good. Not no? good. It's no. <laughs> I I'm yelled traitor, loser, everything for those four hours. Yeah, it's uh, it's not only like I became a Jets fan when I moved to Buffalo in '93. I've been a yeah. Jets fan since I've been 12 years old. So it's not like yeah. I'm jumping on a bandwagon here. Um, and I used to be friends with a lot of the guys from the Bills and hung out with them. And mm -hmm. they tried to bring me over to the dark side, but no. no. <laughs> so basically you earned your time is what you're saying as well. And, and I've got to think the mentality, and I, I'm sure this has nothing to do with football. There must be a fair amount of guys, especially the knuckleheads when they start to get drunk, that it has nothing to do with you being a Jets fan, but they probably would like the opportunity to throw down with you. I assume that that's kind of a bit of a, you know, let me see how tough I am and at the same time be pretty good for my fight tape. Yeah, that used to be the bar thing, right? At like 1, 2 in the morning when we used to go to <laughs> Raiders after a game and guys would get their liquid courage into them, whether it was me, Brad Mayer, Rob Ray, and you just, oh, yeah. you know, look at these guys. And some of these guys are like 155 pounds. You're like, dude, you might want to stay in your weight category here. You're, you're challenging <laughs> Brad Mayer, Rob Ray at 1 and 2 in the morning with a lot of booze in you. It's not not going to end well, but you kind of know that going in and you're not going to fight in bars or whatever it may be. But at, at the game, guys, guys are belligerent, man. Like people start drinking at these bills tailgates. The game's at 425. People will start drinking at 7 a.m. Like by, by one o'clock, they're, they're just toast. And the stuff that come out of their mouths is, is ridiculous. But I, I honestly, I'm a little bit of an instigator. So I, oh, you think? Oh, no, 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 no. no. Don't believe that I'll, at all. I'll, I'll have the face paint on. I'll have the everything. It'll be the wide right. It'll be yeah. the, the Ray Finkel. It'll be, I'll be ready to roll. <laughs> one, one of these teams is done at the end of the week. So hopefully yeah. it's not us. No, and to that, the final kind of football thought or question, I'm not an Aaron Rodgers guy, but it was a bizarre thing when he went over to the Jets and kind of tasted New York. Had me kind of cheering for them. And the fact that they've kept their head above water now he's talking about coming back in mid-December. Is this tee up for a typical season with the Jets where you're starting to build up hope again and, and starting to think what could happen only in the back of your mind knowing that something tragic is going to happen? I've had 39 years of no hope, and it's not a bad way to go about life because everything <laughs> good that happens is unexpected. I was I was with you, Simmer. I, I wasn't an Aaron Rodgers fan, and yeah. he has done nothing but uh, really impress me in the way that he conducts himself. And there's a reason Bionic why. Leg. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's been pretty awesome. If they win this week, I believe they are a playoff team, and I believe he does come back. If they lose this week, I don't think he comes back, and we prepare for next year. But, yeah. hey, that's, what's, that's what makes sports so incredible. The Bills should have never lost last week, uh, and it's going to be a great game this week. Yeah, and you have to be careful going into Bill's land because it is fun when they're doing really well. And, and I'm a bandwagon sports fan, but a Pats fan for years where you can have fun with Bill's fans at times, but I, I don't think this is the week. They're an extremely temperamental group. Now let's get on to the other sports. And we might as well just at least touch on uh, what continues to be. You talk about roller coasters as far as sports franchises. Always, every year, the expectations with the Buffalo Sabres and the hype. A little bit of the goaltending out of the gate. Now running into some injuries. Boy, it feels like once again, a little bit mirror image of what we see here in Ottawa, Barney. Just another one of those uh, okay starts with expectations being so high. Yeah, I think both expectations, all of them, I'll even throw in Detroit there that have struggled yeah. 
uh, as of late. Now, Detroit had a hell of a run for 20 years. And, you know, the expectations in Ottawa, us being here, we know what that was. And out of the gate, it hasn't been uh, the best, but they're still hanging around. Like, they, they have a four or five game segment. And they're right there in the top half of the conference. Buffalo's the same way. Now you lose Tate Thompson for probably at least six weeks uh, with a wrist injury. It did not look good. But, yeah, expectations for the Buffalo Sabres uh, probably tempered a little bit. Uh, Goaltending going in, you know, you have a young guy in Devon Levi, um, who we know well in the Ottawa area that played for Carleton Place, uh, played at Northeastern, um, and I think is going to be a stud in the NHL. But, you know as well as anyone, Simmer, that's the toughest position <laughs> in, in hockey to come in as a young guy with expectations and a young team still in, in Buffalo. So it hasn't went as they had wanted. Um, I don't think they're a playoff team at the start of the year. I still don't think so. I think if I had to put money on uh, Buffalo or Ottawa, I'm taking Ottawa, and uh, I'm not going to change my mind this year. Yeah, I was very open-minded coming in. Now, with what Boston's kind of put in the bank, but I still think they'll come back to the pack, but without a doubt, Tampa Bay, even when Vasilevsky comes back, and now we're starting to see the salary cap system to Toronto, Florida's on fire. One of the wild cards sitting out there, Barney, and I've always kind of equated, I thought would be cool, would be Patrick Kane getting healthy, opportunity to come back to Buffalo. I see he met with the Toronto Maple Leafs. I don't know what he's looking at. Is he looking at basically play the rest of this year on a small deal, then kind of cash in? How much of a wild card is Patrick Kane? Because I think he'll be very good. And do you think he'd end up signing with the hometown Buffalo Sabres? I, I don't. I, I, no. I think at his stage in his career, I think he's all about cups. Uh, I mean, it would be a, a feel-good story for Buffalo and, and great and, and be able to to rally around that whole uh, emotional thing. He loves Buffalo. He's a Buffalo guy through and through from South Buffalo. But I just don't see the fit. I mean, he's going to be playing on a one-year deal, I would say, about a million, a million and a half. It doesn't make sense for me, the Toronto Maple Leafs. I mean, that's no. not where... They need the help. We we know they have a plethora of guys up front that can score goals. They have to defend them. And Patrick Kane isn't the best defensive forward <laughs> in the National Hockey League. So to me, it's all about winning Stanley Cups. Florida makes sense at his stage in his career. They have a good team. They made a hell of a run last year. Hey, go enjoy the sun. Cash in. You can play with some great players <laughs> there. Or the Dallas Stars, another team that could use his services that is off to a great start in a Stanley Cup contender. So those are the two teams that make sense for me. Toronto, Buffalo just doesn't make sense. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I would look at any team if I could bring him in. I know Toronto, as you yeah. said, they need other things, but if he's willing to come in, but hey, uh, go through the whole protocol. I've been so impressed what a great pro he's ended up being. Now let's focus on the Ottawa Senators. Know you've been traveling around a lot. Uh, once again, crazy expectations. I thought the start to the season was pretty good. I didn't look at it like other years. Pretty good starts to games, looked a little more organized, but now at home, and overall, when fatigue is set in, we continue to talk about the whole thing of lack of structure and what's kind of going on from a teaching standpoint. And we also have to look at the injuries. What's your thoughts on the uh, Sens 13 games into the year? Well, I, I think they're okay as of now. I think when you go down three defensemen, uh, three of your top six, it's tough. That's that's a hell of a thing to overcome. And I, I think they've been in, in almost every game, and I think they battle hard. I think they're talented. But you have to have a staple at home. I, I think that's the, the one thing. It's hard to win on the road, but you have to really make your building really tough to play. And I think you have to, you know, the expectations is that you win every single game at home and you're going to give up a few of those but it has to be a really hard building to play in. So I, I, I'm okay with their start. Obviously, it's been, you know, 
injuries. Um, they've given up some 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 tough games where they probably should have won at home. Um, the off ice stuff. There's been a, a black cloud around <laughs> a little bit that, that has happened as, as we know. But I think the new ownership is is only going to solidify this team in the future. I really like this team in the next five six years coming forward. They still have a chance to be a playoff team. Get healthy, play hard defensively. You have enough mm-hmm. talent offensively. You will score goals, and I don't think it can be understated the effect. And I've heard you say this many a times that Claude Giroux has had on these young guys. And I think mm-hmm. it's it's as much off ice as it is, as it is on ice. Uh, the work that he's done with these young kids um, mm-hmm. really shows when, when, when they when they, when they play the game, especially in tight games. Um, they seem loose. They they seem like yeah. they. They expect to win, and I think that's a big difference in in teams that aren't playoff teams, that are playoff teams, and that are contenders. You know, if you go into a game hoping to win, as expecting to win, without playing that overconfidence, it's a big thing. So I, I see them taking that next step in the next fifteen to twenty games. I think they're going to be a playoff team. I really do. Yeah, and it's funny when you talk about buildings, and I think back to the old Spectrum. Then towards the end with Philadelphia, well, that was more of a joke. And of all people, it would have been your Buffalo Sabers going in there. And I can picture a Teddy Nolan team with, you know, Razor and May and everybody coming out. Uh, has that ship sailed a little bit? Not only in the type of personnel that we see in the National Hockey League now, but let's face facts here, and we face it certainly with the Red Blacks in Ottawa. I think people enjoy coming to play at the CTC, right? And I don't mean that as a fault, Barney, but are there many of those buildings even left where like guys are thrilled to play in Toronto? They love MSG. Like I'm not, I'm not intimidated. I just can't wait to go and play there. Yeah. It's, it's totally different. I love coming back to Ottawa because I'm from Ottawa. My friends yeah. would, would come out. I'd have a few beers with them the night before the game or a bottle of wine um, at Capone's <laughs> back in the day. Um, but there's no intimidation. Like when we'd roll into Ottawa, you, you had Chris <laughs> Neal and you had Dennis Vial before him. And, you know, you, you roll into Philadelphia, might have had a five on five the day before. There's no more intimidation in the NHL. Tim Stutzla can roll into Philadelphia and with a scarf on around his neck, whatever it may be, and he's fine walking into that rink. We rolled in. It was totally different. You, you, you had nerves. You didn't sleep well in the afternoon. All of that is gone, and and for the betterment of the game. Listen, I love the NHL the way it is now. Uh, no more archaic uh, 1980s, 1990s, even early 2000s. So those intimidations, I, I think the, the, the fact is you want to roll into a building or you want to be at home in your building and know it's going to be a hard game. You know you're not going to give them anything easy like they aren't going to roll in thinking they're scoring four and five. They You have to roll in thinking – how are we going to create three goals? And if you can score three goals, then you should expect to win. Four goals, it should be a game. Now, I know that the numbers have skewed, and the under-overs is six and a half normally, sometimes seven. When we played or in, in height of my career, if you could get three goals, you certainly thought you could win. Uh, but just make it hard. Make, make it hard to come into play, and not the intimidation side. That, that, that is forever gone. Yeah, and is that also not only a line cross? And I thought for Chris Neal was somewhat fortunate, Barney, towards the end of his career, he was able to lean down uh, a lot of the gladiators, you know, the George Larocs, the Brashears, guys like that were gone. And it was perfect timing. You're fighting Brandon Prust. We look down the 401. Um, are the Toronto Maple Leafs like three years late? First of all, on Ryan Rees being effective as a hockey player, but now you've really crossed into that line or that dimension of a, a guy that it's almost become more of a. I'm I'm just curious on his pressers after. Like it, it's actually become more of an embarrassment and a running joke as to what he's doing right now. And, and I like Ryan Reeves, the person. Yeah. I like the commitment that he has to his team and trying to 
to protect. There's no more protection. There's there, there, there's no need for it. If if I'm a team, if I'm DJ Smith and we're playing the Battle of Ontario at the CTC, they throw Ryan Reeves, I'm throwing out my first line. Like that that's just the way it is. And I'm telling my guys, let him play. Just let him play. You don't confront him. If if he jumps you, we're gonna get a five minute major. If there's a big hit, whatever, do not fight him. Let him play. And that's that's what it, like I used to tell our guys even back in the day. If a guy's gonna jump me, don't jump in. Let let let's take the two, the five, what it is, and yeah. score on the power play. So yeah, his his pressers with with Corey Perry, with with everything that he says. I love the guy. I love that he's a warrior. I love everything. The game's passed him by, and that's just that's just the fact of 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 his play. And he's not really a benefit to that team. If, if when they make the playoffs, he's not going to be playing. He's not going to be in that lineup. So, yeah, and, and I go back to when go back to when Justin was scouting as well, Justin. And I guess for yourself, Barney, coming through the Quebec League, how much has that league changed over the years? Because there was certainly a perception on, okay, if I'm going to the Quebec League, the players aren't very good. Then we might end up finding a tough guy. First of all, the perception of the league, I think, as they move to Eastern Canada, is much better. But now, as you go to watch Memorial Cups, they're no longer people laughing at them, right? I mean, this now, I think that they've really changed the perception of the league, and they're right there with the Ontario Hockey and the Western Hockey. I guess first to you, Justin. I think we got Justin on a little mute there. So, oh, oh. sorry. Um, okay. yeah, sorry about that. Um, basically, your finest my, hour. I thought <laughs> yeah. you were a mine. <laughs> my my dad's always said he's like he's like it'd be three three and a half hours for a Quebec League game to finish just because of the amount of fights that would be going on um and that's definitely changed um you see them in the Memorial Cup competing uh obviously the East Coast brings a lot of good players as well but Quebec is producing players again and uh so it's turned into a pretty good league and for yourself Barney the decision of you're an Ontario kid uh well I guess Hall of the time but my oh my for the way you were going to make it and I don't know and I'd love some of the backstory I know you I've talked about your older brother how persistence he was but of places to pick the Ontario Hockey League versus the Quebec League when you came into Beauport I believe uh not exactly from a safety standpoint <laughs> the best choice are we rolling in at a buck 60 buck 70 what are we looking at in Barney's first training camp uh, my first training camp, a buck 48. Oh my God. 48. Wow. Yeah. I, I grew that, that summer and I went from like five, three to, to six feet. And I, my weight hadn't caught up. I was just a skinny kid. So 148 and it was the hardest training camp ever. And it was the only way I was going to make it was, was fighting and to allow my body the time to, to catch up so I can catch up speed wise, physically catch up. But yeah, it was the wild, wild west back then, man. Uh, Robert Melanson and Hull was as tough as they got. The, all the Melanson brothers, Dean, Stan, the three of them, uh, <laughs> Serge LaBelle, Sandy McCarthy, Gino Ojic, Donald Brashear. Every night uh, was a different high, uh, heavyweight. So yeah, giving up 70, 80, 90 pounds in some of those fights was <laughs> was tough. And there, there, was, there, was some, there was some sleepless nights, but... I wouldn't change it anything for the world. I was fortunate to play in Quebec City, which was just an awesome place, an awesome place. And you know, for a guy that didn't speak French at all, um, I, I, I was told early: learn French, and you're gonna you're you're gonna eat well if you want to eat. And uh, 
you're going to have a great time off the ice. So I didn't eat that great for two years, but I had a hell of a time off the ice. Oh, exactly. Good looking English guy coming in. You're all set. Also to that, and God, I think I went to one of the first Memorial Cups in Laval. My first one was uh, the Morissette brothers with Laval. That year, I think it was McLaren with North Bay. Murray, when the first started taking the shirt off with with uh, uh, Kamloops. And then you had Sylvain Blouin. Uh, oh, but yeah. that whole that whole wave and that crew, but it wasn't only, and this goes back even to Pat Burns and that, it was a circus, right? Like it was a show. It was a show between the coaches when he came into the building. Like it was a little WWE back then, which now you think about, you know, people being arrested, the unfortunate tragedy that happened over in uh, in Great Britain, right? Yeah, Barney. I mean, th- this was basically it was it was in some ways theater, but unfortunately, the pain was real. It, it was called the House of Pain, like. <laughs> The house of pain like they used to paint our our dressing room the day of the game and they, it was so hot so you'd be <laughs> sitting in there smelling the fumes of the paint they'd have little sand that they drop on the way so you'd step on the sand on the way and, and ruin your skates then the morissette brothers who were connected supposedly to the mafia sitting on the bench and then they had like five tough guys so I remember like I'm 17 years old and these guys are laughing at me and I'd come by and I'm shooting pucks and my coach is like, what are you doing? And I'm shooting him at the Morissette brothers on the bench. And he's like, dude, you're, you're, you're going to die. And literally the puck would drop and five guys would jump on you. And I remember we had a French kid. His name was Stéphane Tartari. Crazy thing. Skilled kid. But they jumped me and they cut me open and they get like, we have 14 minutes of power plays to start the game. And they're like, Stefan, power play. He's like, nah, I think I'm good. <laughs> and he literally went home after the game and he went to the coach. He goes, I think it's time for me to go back to France. And the coach was like, I, I think you're right. I think yeah. you're yeah. right. It was crazy. Uh- I agree. Uh, now, when you look at the kind of the change of the game as well, Barney, do you think this was any design by the National Hockey League? Because that last wave, and at that time, Justin was involved with Ottawa, when they had the big playoff series with Montreal, at that time, still had a fair amount of tough guys. I think even Cassian, and I kind of thought, well, they're going to keep rolling this back. And it was almost like that summer, it disappeared. All these guys found themselves out of work, and outside of, again, of a Chris Neal, who was a functional player, yeah. it just all of a sudden went sideways. And I can't really point to one thing other than the league just got so much better where quite simply these guys there was no no justification and i guess you can say some of the detroit teams in the 90s right you know if if you don't have the puck there's not much you're going to do to us and you're not going to intimidate us and they had darren mccarty back back on those teams they had kosher before that but darren mccarty was kind of well hardest i've ever been hit is 28 stitches uh right across the 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 front of the eye uh but yeah they play with the puck man you can't can't do anything I, i think it's a a little bit between the times and, and just evolving and also also money. You know, lawsuits came in and we've seen so many um, people uh, that have passed away. You know, I don't think it's all concussion related. I don't think it's CTE related. Now, does some of that play in? Yeah. Did some guys have some some issues off the ice that probably played into it? So I, I think it's, it came down to lawsuits. Um and honestly, I would not. I'm not going to be hypocritical because I loved the way Junior was back in the day. It was scary. Um, I don't want to see it ever go back to that. It'll never go back to that. But I also don't want to see 16 year old kids fight 20 year old men. And that's that's a hard thing. Like I go to a Junior game. If I see a fight break out, am I going to watch? Am I going to cheer? Yeah, I love it. I see a fight in the NHL, but I don't sit down expecting there to be five fights. And I don't want to see a 16 year old 
fight a 20 year old man. It's just, it's simply unfair and kids can get hurt. And when 95, 98% of those kids will never make a dollar playing hockey. I don't want to see them have to deal with, with brain injuries or concussions. It's just not fair. Yeah, I came through in the mid-80s in the Ontario Hockey League, and it went from complete gong show to still just crazy. And the parts that I look at, and I think about a Mark LaForge, or I had a guy, Bobby Babcock, of all names on my team, but the part that went into it at the time was the inability to focus on hockey. I mean, Mark was actually a pretty good player when he was young, but he had to get away from the way his body trained to what he was doing, not to mention the mental angst. And you answered my question there, but I still don't understand. And I guess part of it going to a 67s game, it's fairly quiet. Quiet. I don't like the sound of the punches. Like I don't. And again, you you know, even in watching some of the stuff, are, do you think we're at the point with with junior hockey? And I'll say this: college continues to get better and better. Continues to say people that used to say, you know what, it's not the same development. Hey, forget about that stuff. The colleges are doing just fine. Are we going to get closer and closer in junior hockey, where flat out it's a ban, and then maybe even get to full cages at some point? Within five years, it, there will be no fighting in junior hockey. There, 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 there's no way. There, there's just no way. And I, I'm glad you brought up, like, bring up the development team. The US. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people. And you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Development team. Like, you're getting the most skilled guys on, on the ice, and there's never any fighting in those games, and college is just c- continues to get better and better and better. And I, I just think we'll evolve, and there won't be fighting, and that's going to limit it as it gets into the NHL. And I don't think they'll ever take it out of the NHL. Mm-hmm. It's just organically going to leave the game. Yeah, I agree. And also want to circle back to the auto centers. I know you've been very positive and generally what you end up saying about DJ Smith, you know, a, a voice and how it's opinionated, a lot of pressure on him. Uh, thoughts on the job that he's done so far, how it's being handled, Alfie. And when you look at a DJ Smith, do you feel a little bit of the Teddy Nolan? Do you feel a little bit of the kind of rallying the boys around you? Um, you know, maybe not the greatest tactical coach on the planet, but just thoughts on what DJ's done so far. Body of work, but this year, six, 13 games in. Yeah, I, I, listen, I like DJ Smith, the, the person. Um, yeah. I've known him for, for a while. I know how the guys, and I, I knew this from playing in the golf tournament uh, last year, just the way he handles the guys around him, the way he's able to talk to them, the way he's able to communicate with the younger generation. I think that's very, very important. And I, I'm glad you, you brought up the Ted Nolan thing because you have assistant coaches. Obviously, you put a game plan in place. And I just spent a little time uh, with Rick Tockett and Adam Foote in, in Vancouver. Uh, two great guys that you want to play for. And when you want to play for someone like I wanted to play for, like we want to play for Ted Nolan, you know, you have to have structure. You have to play within structure. But that can't 
replace the emotion that you play with. And when you play with emotion and you have structure and it has to be a little bit better, certainly when they don't have the puck, when they have the puck, this team is as good as any. When they don't have the puck, sometimes it's a little, mm-hmm. little, little lax. And then you need your goaltender to come up with a, a big save. So I think it, it, it's a little reciprocal where you need a little bit of, of everyone to contribute. And sometimes that makes the coach look a little worse than maybe sometimes it, it should be. But he's a guy that the players <laughs> love. I like him. I think he's the right coach for the team. Now, having said that, if they don't have success in the next 20 games and they aren't inching closer to a playoff position, He's the guy that will take the fall. And that's yeah. the time that Ann Lauer and Stales um, will look to some people that they have confidence in as well mm-hmm. that could take them to the next stage in their development because this team should be competing. This isn't a, a Stanley Cup contender, but no. it should be competing for a playoff position and playing meaningful games late in March, early April. Would we also agree, and I learned this from a scouting standpoint, and I don't want to penalize my good friend uh, Daryl Shannon, the defenseman, but having Dominic Hassett covering up on some of the defensive mistakes <laughs> cert- certainly helped back <laughs> in the day when, or what? When, when players arrived <laughs> to the next destination and wondered what, what happened to the defensive defenseman, that, that that was a bit of a change in what you were seeing? Yeah, Daryl's Dar- Dar- one of my favorite humans. Oh humans Great. i've ever met in my life from allison ontario yeah. a town of about 40 uh just just a, a great man great defenseman still a good hockey player by the way mm-hmm. uh, but yeah dominic Cassick, a great goaltender can can hide a lot of mistakes and make a lot of you look good and yeah. listen i didn't like dominic Cassick, the person but i can unequivocally yeah. say he is the best goaltender i have ever seen in my life and if there's one guy I would want to play for in a game seven. Uh, he would be the guy. Uh, he covered up. I, I don't know how many times he would come in after a second period. The score would be two one. We'd be trailing. Be like, guys, I don't care. You give them ten two on ones. Just go score a goal, and we would give up ten two on ones. And Gumby would save it with the ugliest body you've ever seen. Make the save. We'd end up winning three to two. Obviously, he'd be first star, but yeah, a, a good goalie making a a great save at the right time, pretty good for your confidence. Yeah, and some of the contrast, Barney, in watching, one was L.A. coming in. You see the flip of the goaltenders, Talbot compared to Corpusallo, yeah. kind of the sum of the parts, not an all-star team, but what has Rick Tockett, and I guess we have to be a bit careful because some of the underlying numbers, and even watching him here in Ottawa, opportunistic, but what has been the change with talk coming in, Adam Foote, Sergei Gonchar, where it is pretty night and day what we saw under Bruce Boudreaux as far as the accountability and the work ethic and the structure. And let's be also honest, last year, you had the Horvat situation with JT Miller. This kind of this thing looked like it was going sideways as a franchise, and Rick has come in, yeah. and let's also say this is what he did in Arizona. He just didn't have any talent. Yeah, that's the difference. And sitting down talking with him for a couple of days in Van last week, uh, he's certainly impressed with his talent. He thinks – you know, uh, Pedersen is, is just a stud and really hard on himself. Got an insight onto all of his guys and Quinn Hughes having a, a career year. Um, this is a Norris Trophy uh, winner of multiple in, in the future. He thinks Demko is an absolute stud. Um, and JT Miller, he loves. He goes, he's, he's temperamental. Um, he's very hard on himself. Uh, but he, he just wants to win. And I think talk is just a guy that he is who he is he's not going to change because he's the head coach he's not going to change and try to be something he is he isn't um 
he's just a guy that that wants to win and wants the best for every one of those players and is going to put every one of those players in a situation to succeed and try to find what makes you tick. And he's going to treat everyone different, but everyone the same, if that makes sense. Everyone's accountable for the same, but he's going to understand your your personality. And I had him as an assistant coach. Tony Granato was our, our head coach in, in Colorado. And he's the exact same guy that he was an assistant coach as he is as a player. Um, and he's just a great dude, man. Just a great dude that that lets guys play offensively. Hey, do what you do. But when we don't have the puck, you're all going to play hard. You're, you're going to play hard or you're not going to play. I don't care if you're, you're Pedersen. I don't care if you're Miller. I don't care if you're Tyler Myers, who's playing a lot better. And I, I just think guys like playing for those kind of guys. And he yeah. certainly is. And having Footer and Gonch, Gonchar on the, on the back end, I mean, the wealth of knowledge these guys have had, Stanley Cups, um, Canada Cups, Olympics. Um, I just think it's, it's, it's just the perfect match for that team. Yeah, and final one for you before we let you go. I guess that's a thought in my critique, and I don't know if this is a year to do it as far as accountability, but that is a tough part for the Ottawa Senators. When you look at the young players, and we look at Shabbat, you can talk about ice time, but certainly from Kachuk to Stutzla to Batherson, unfortunately, you go through a lot of these players, there has not been the correction, there has not been the accountability, and we talk about, and the coach talks about going to Sweden and kind of having a reset First of all, do you think that's possible? And is there some fault there? And if it's not DJ Smith, the assistant coaches, why four plus years in are a lot of the same mistakes being made? Yeah, and that's, listen, these are corrections that have to be made earlier. And we, I think it was like last week or the week before we had talked about this a little bit on Twitter, going back and forth be, be with some people on, on Twitter. They're in a tough predicament right now because DJ's job is on the line. Yeah, he, yeah. he, he, he can't start benching <laughs> Tim Stutzla and Drake Batherson and Thomas Shabbat. I mean, if I'm going to go down with the ship, I'm, I'm not going down with my fourth and third liners. It's going to be my go-to guys. So right now, he's in a tough, tough predicament. He has to win. He's got to correct mistakes, but he can't bench those guys. You can't lose those guys because those are the guys that are controlling your career right now. So hopefully they can get a, a great galvanizing uh, couple games in Sweden. I think it's great for the team, uh, but certainly Detroit is there at the same time, um, ready to kind of kickstart their season. So he's in a tough, tough predicament. They shouldn't be making these mistake, mistakes four and a half years in. Uh, but if I'm him, this isn't the time to be correcting uh, and, and benching guys. I'm, I'm probably taking them out for, for some Swedish meatballs and uh, buying the dinner in the way. Yeah, a couple of cold pints. And, and Alfie's going to be on for the next couple of games, and uh, we can talk about that on social media. I'm curious, is that kind of stit back? Does he actually get involved? But uh, going to be a cool game and kind of nice to have a 2 p.m. game. Thanks very much for joining us, Barney. Always look great. You never age. That's the one thing I always wondered about Rick Talkett. All I remember is Rick Talkett, Peter Zezel, all those Philly players in the 80s having the beautiful flow. And then the one day I'm watching TV and there, no, no, not the case, but hey, you're a lucky man. I, I did an event for the uh, Canucks alumni last week, and they were showing clips, and, and Footer was there. Brad May, I was on stage with. We were doing a doing a hot stove, and they showed Brad May fighting Talk, and Talk had the Jofa helmet with the, <laughs> the locks coming out the back. And, uh, yeah, that, that's long gone for Talk. Yeah, at least How's he was Brad smart doing? What's that? How's Brad May doing? We golfed together uh, uh, in Barney's little tournament up in... Uh, up in Muskoka one year. So yeah, my, my, my boy, he's as dumb as ever, but I love him. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs>
All right. Well, enjoy the day, Barney. Enjoy the game, and uh, we'll look forward to catching up you again. Thanks very much for your time. Sounds good, buddy. All right. Cheers. Yeah, interesting, Justin, getting his yeah. perspective, right? Yeah. Uh, no, as know. a hockey fan, highly intelligent, uh, always lots of thought and thoughtful, and I really do. And, again, I saw him. I didn't know him from Ottawa. I had moved away. And then most of what you saw out of him and as a player was kind of just a pain in the ass. But yeah. in going back to appreciate, and I know people are quick. If, if something is mentioned on Matthew, Matthew Barnaby, they'll go to some of the off-ice things. So, But overall, to see him post-career, uh, what he's accomplished uh, as far as family, relationship with his children, but to have gone in and made a living, like he'd be perfect right now, right? Like yeah. he would have been, yeah, yeah, he'd yeah, come yeah, in exactly. now and he'd be able to, he'd be able to feast on guys. Like he'd come in, yeah. have a chance to play some minutes and he could tune in most of the tough guys yeah. around the National Hockey League right now. No, I agree. He, he here's a guy that just worked his way into the league and then stuck around for a long time. Um, so you got to give him props for that. Uh, and that he would be the type, perfect type of player in this league right now. Um, play, give you minutes, and then also have to jump in um, when things need to be solved. And uh, we don't have too many of those players anymore, um, which is too bad. I think if if there's guys out there in the AHL that want to, you know, that have ability, that want to give um, that side of the game to their team, uh, I think they could move up and, and be effective and, and make good money doing it. But um, there's you got to want that, right? So it, it has to come natural or else it, it just won't uh, won't be a fit. Well, exactly. And you get the odd player that comes around and people tend to laugh at. And here in Ottawa, all everyone he talks about is one to have a tough guy on the blue line. And uh, they got Tyler Clevin and I like Tyler Clevin. But I also said we've addressed of, OK, being a big hitter in college and coming along, what's he going to do? Then I look at a guy like Arbor Jacki and people are like, well, I wouldn't want that guy on my team. He's no good. I'm like, Listen, first of all. He played as a 20-year-old. He wasn't drafted. He worked at Costco. Yeah. He yeah. is going to be the heavyweight champion. Like I, 32 that GMs has taken that guy. 32 oh my GMs. So like, if like you say again, you don't want back, him, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, but that guy is, is – sorry, go ahead. But he is the unicorn, Justin, right? Yeah. Like, he's the guy yeah. when you point to now, if you wanted that on your back end, then come playoff time. And from a forward standpoint – yeah, we don't see many of those guys, which I guess is a good and a bad, because if you lay the big hit now, chances are whoever you're dropping your gloves with, you know, isn't also going to come in and, yeah. and feed you your lunch at the same time. No, I agree. But it's still nice to see guys that play the game tough and within the rules, right? Um, I, I think that's the biggest thing is, is there's no more of that craziness outside the whistles or just complete dirty hits as as there was back in the day where now, you know, it's more clean. There's, there's sometimes hits where, you know, I hate when guys are jumping in on clean hits. I get it, but it's like, that's within the rules. I know guys want to stick up for their teammates, but you shouldn't have to fight if you're making a, a nice clean hit. If it's a dirty hit, I think, uh, yeah, you're going to have to step up a, a, and fight their, the biggest guy on the team that you're playing. But um, just, it, it's a little ridiculous after a clean hit, I find. Yeah, I agree. Now, it's nice when you get to the playoffs, but it is a cautionary. And it was funny seeing that Darlene hit on Marchand. And it's just kind of a good old butt in the face. And, hey, no big deal. But it's also the captain. You got to roll in. Uh, yeah. You got to kind of stand up for your teammates. And I also, when this all started happening, a lot of people talked on it. I, I wasn't sure where it was headed, but talked about the rats are going to rule. Well, I never saw that from that standpoint, Justin, because mm -hmm. one of the things in National Hockey League, I don't think they work that hard to get out fighting. 
I think it just generically evolved as the game evolved. What they have done is that the players via the paycheck, we're not seeing many hits from behind anymore, right? We're seeing, first of all, I think a couple of things. I think players are taking better care of themselves where they understand as a puck carrier, I actually have, you know, I have some responsibility here. I, I can't do the old turn at the last second. So I got to protect myself and then the respect, but I, we're not talking about this a ton, right? We're not talking about massive cross checks to the head or hits from behind the game overall for the penalties from the National Hockey League. But I think there is a fair amount of respect in the game now. Yeah. And I, I, I think players probably didn't grow up watching a ton of that. So it's not even natural for them to do that. Um, so, so yeah, it, it's completely changed. Um, I, you're going to get the odd incident every now and then, but uh, I think overall it's in a much better place. Um, in junior hockey, you know, when I was watching it, sometimes I'm like, God, my God, this is so soft. Um, you can't even make a proper hit, a clean hit, um, without getting a suspension, which is just crazy as well. So I think there's a fine line, um, but I think we're they're on the right track. And I think naturally the league, we talk about how good the league is. There's so many good players that um, to, to be a, a tough guy in the league, let's say, is it, so hard. So it's going to be those guys that can play, that can then be tough on top of that. And those guys are going to make money. I mean, Tom Wilson, every team would want to have a guy <laughs> like that, you know? So, so those are, those are the guys um, that when you're drafting to, you hope you can find them. Sens, I think tried to do that in Tyler Boucher a little bit, but it is hard to find because it is so tough to play that role consistently. So. Yeah. And, and also to that, and I think people kind of not laughed at, and you would have watched it a lot with Tom Wilson. Initially, it wasn't matching up to be a top six forward and where he was so effective in the playoffs. And I think to the Montreal Canadians for a number of years with Jared Tenori, Tenorti, uh, there was another fellow there that was about six foot six. They drafted, they were trying to t- draft toughness. It couldn't play. Right. And you're trying to find, wow. as you know, that perfect marriage of, can you find a Chris Neal? Can you find the guy that comes along, a Borvietsky, that's actually a serviceable player? And that was all Montreal. And to some extent, Washington was trying to do was, you know, we're going to draft these players, but do they match up? And as you said, Tom Wilson would be right in there with a dream pick. I mean, yeah. how effective he was in 2018. You couldn't ask for anything more. No, exactly. And and, the, and the, like we say, bigger guys take time. Um, so so it's going to take some time for those guys to play. That's why I like the, the kid in Montreal – wi-fi or whatever it's it's pretty wild what he's yeah what he's what he's done um because usually those big defensemen do take time plus then to play how hard and how physical at a young age um but that guy's just a man in a in a you know a 20 21 year old body um and that's why he's able to do it and then he has that he has that will to do it i mean there's guys that you know have played that you you're you know, if they had that in them there, they have the strength to do it, but it's just not innate in them. And, and that's, that's fine. But, but uh, when you find those guys that that is just natural, I, I, I mean, that they're going to help your team win, um, especially come playoffs. Um, and, and chances are, if they're playing in the league, they're good enough to play in the league. So they're just going to help you all the time now. Yeah. And, and for that, Justin, I think it's fortunate for a lot of the athletes now, if, Hey, you know what, two or three times a year, if I got to drop the gloves and for a lot yeah. of guys, you don't have to drop them at all back to the day when I played and you went through it, it was really unfortunate because guys were judged. And one of them yeah. was actually Catholic's father, Eddie, Eddie yeah. was a big man, highly intelligent, could skate. And of course, because of that, at the time, the division, the Patrick division, people wanted him to be like that. And it wasn't natural. That's, yeah. Now the, the reverse to that, we'll have a guest on tomorrow, Nick Kiprios 
one of the things I always gave credit to Nick with is that in junior, he was a 60 goal scorer. I don't recall him fighting at all. And he was a pretty strong guy, but I thought it was really cool how he figured out as a pro, first of all, starting in Philly, then up with us in Washington, that he had to adapt as a secondary tough guy. We had Alan May for a little bit. We had John Cordick. We had other people. But to adapt and do something like that is not an easy thing to end up having. Now, let's go around the league a little bit. Just thoughts on the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, a couple of wins. Are you sitting hey. here just waning a little longer to see <laughs> yeah. that they're going to win a few, let in yeah. a few more? Or do you yeah. think, hey, obviously I, uh, this is showing it was perfect time to make a coaching change? 100%. Character win last night for them. Um, good to see. Didn't give up. So they're not always... Every win's not going to be pretty, um, but it's about getting that win. So um, good to see Skinner made some saves when he needed to. Uh, Vander Kane playing well. Um, there's a guy that, you know. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Questionable history off the ice, but one thing he's every practice, he's one of the hardest working guys on the ice. He is comes to play every game. Um, and and there's a guy that can drop the gloves too, was just you know, speaking of that. Um, and and he he's a guy that helps your team win. Um, yeah, so so it's he came up big. I think it's a, a big win for them, and they'll continue uh, to, to put up some wins, I think, here. I think they're feeling yeah, good. Yeah, fu funny historically looking at Evander Kane, and this is a back-to-back stories, and remember in, in Winnipeg, and, and this is also maturity level. I yeah. think for a guy coming into Atlanta at the time, it was a gong show. You could have the money. You're doing whatever you're doing. But the whole situation that happened when they threw his clothes in the shower, Craig Oster at the time decided they're going to have shoulder surgery. Craig went to bat for him, as did your dad, and your dad yeah. trades for him, and I just still think that was unfortunate. Whatever he did as far as hard work and play, he had the situation off the ice. He had the whole caught in Toronto. Then he goes there. Best behavior in San Jose. Then it all goes sideways. I think he's finally at that spot, but also along the way, a lot of people have tried to help him out and maybe it's finally clicked uh, yeah, in think, a place like Edmonton. Yeah. I think just sometimes guys take a little longer to mature as well. You know, um, we don't know, you know, I think his family's a good family from what I, from what I know. Um, but you know, like it's, Everyone goes through their shit in life. So, um, <laughs> I, exact. So I think he's finally matured. Um, and, and that's good. And, uh, I'm happy for him. Mm -hmm. Um, it seems like he's living a good life now. So, um, yeah. What more can you yeah, say about that? Yeah, you wish him stability as well. He has yeah, to, see, exactly. you have to see all these off-ice things and when it becomes public, because yeah. as you said, a lot of people go through it. Other moment from last night I found interesting and intriguing is Bo Horvat. And Bo Horvat, a year ago, the thought was, oh my God, we don't have enough money to sign him. Mm -hmm. He's having a career year. So on one hand, he doesn't deserve the money, but you're going to have to keep JT Miller. So we fast forward to this year, JT Miller is playing great. Vancouver is playing great. But I look at Bo Horvat, and, and Lou Lamorello can be as direct as he wants, but his comment, the minute the contract was done last year, was we overpaid him. Yeah. And Bo Horvat, first of all, I don't think wants to be on the island, has not played very well. Mm -hmm. And how awkward is that for an athlete, Justin, where there's a realization of first thing you have to do is take care of your family. 
Vancouver couldn't sign him. You go to the island, but you could just feel yeah. last night that he's realizes, you know what, uh, Vancouver's home, and I got to do what I got to do, and I'm making great money. But it has not been a very good fit for the Islanders or Bor Horvat Hol Hol for that matter. No, I, I mean when you go to the island, you're. I think you got to re realize that your point totals are going to be much lower. Um, just the style of the play, so that. And it's just not an exciting brand of hockey. So, so does that wear on you? I got to think so. Um, and, and that's too bad, but you're making big money. Um, and coming with that comes the consequences. So um, it is what it is. I'm not going to feel too bad for him. Um, no. What do, what do you like to be in Vancouver? Sure. But uh, yeah. That's, uh, well, I, I also think at the end of the it's day, it's funny how it works, it, though. Eh? Oh, for sure. But it's it's also, hey, you know, he's gotten paid. Like there is, yep. a, and to me, I look at receivers in the National Football League, and you know, when Odell Beckham Jr. was playing with Cleveland, hey, if I was a star receiver in the National Football League, and I realize I don't have a quarterback, I'm probably going to piss and moan right. because of the realization of this is going to hurt my own livelihood. So yep. I have no issue now when guys end up getting paid. That can be a little bit different. So we'll see. So thoughts on uh, the final ice hockey match that'll basically be puck dropping about one hour now if we go back to yeah. historically i don't know where you were at the time last time Otto went to sweden the biggest story ended up being the anthem singer who had the see-through top on that really <laughs> especially here in conservative canada that was all the rage and the last time we saw the ottawa centers play at the globin arena against a, a little back-to-back -back against colorado yeah well it's funny i think uh now it wouldn't be as big of a deal just with times yeah. are changing europe's always <laughs> a little ahead of us eh? um i I'm going five, three win for Ottawa. Um, cup, maybe a couple like late garbage goals. So maybe like a four, two game or something, you know, headed in the last 10 minutes of the period, uh, of the third period. But, uh, I think Ottawa gets the win here. Um, I think they handle, uh, the offensive zone pretty good with those D. Um, they are bigger, harder to play against group of defensemen, but I think they lack, um, lack the skill. Um, and so I think they're going to take it to them there and, um, we'll see how Reimer plays. Um, and we need Corpus Allo to outplay him a little, I think. And, and, yeah. uh, I think they get a W. How do you feel about it? Yeah, no, kind of the same thing. I, I, I don't have any feel Justin in the sense of, I look at this and I throw some things out because I'm also understanding the science. Yeah. And I yeah. think that this has been geared up properly. This is where you flew out on Sunday, you arrived on Monday. I think guys are comfortable, but I don't know that I can't say for sure. When I look at the two organizations, it's been great for Alfie. But I would also not underestimate when you cart in Nicholas Lidstrom and Stevie Wise there and kind of the Detroit vibe, this strikes back to a bit of a power chord of yeah. all these great Swedish players, how proud they are. I don't know if Zetterberg or other players are around. So they're also coming in with this one, and I think there'll yeah, be a lot of Detroit fans. So I think there's a bit of a sense of urgency to them as well. I just think we'll have a real good game here. I expect Corpus Allo to step up. Also big pitcher uh, out already. Uh, they've talked about it. it makes a lot of sense. I'm assuming next year it would be Ottawa and Edmonton. Now you hope that Dreisaitl and uh, in this case Stutz are healthy. Boy, if they're able to go to Germany and you've that been over be. there as well, just but wouldn't that be outstanding to do that, that late September? Like do that. a week of training camp in Germany and do your bonding, play a couple yep. of regular season games, and then come back and have a week before your regular season starts yeah. versus doing this in November. Yeah, I think that would be amazing. I mean, Sweden already ha produces hockey players. I think the more Germans we can make uh, into hockey players, the better. I think that would go a long way for hockey. Um, so I think it's an important market, along with having two outstanding German hockey players to go over mm -hmm. there. I think I think the sky's the limit there. Uh, obviously, soccer's huge, but if you can, you know, flip, flip, you know, 
a percentage every every year of people mm-hmm. playing hockey i think it, it goes a long way um and, and they got some good arenas over there as well so uh i think berlin has a good arena i uh, i saw that once when i was in berlin i didn't go in but i saw it from the outside and i think uh munich has a good arena as well so if they can if they can do that i think it could go a long way um grow the brand right yeah, and I think they're building a mega arena, and I don't know what city it's going to be, but anyways, all the cities, Cologne, go through there, such yeah. an underrated country. Now, the fault there is having so many Canadians playing, and I always ask myself, Justin, growing up, now, I'd say it's even different here in Canada, because growing up, I had soccer. You talked about it, but having said that, as an athlete, as a Canadian, there's no way I'm going to choose a, a future in soccer. Now, it would look yeah. a little bit different, yeah. but my, oh my, if I'm a German kid, and I'm not just talking about any German kid, I'm talking about dry sidle now bigger guy but in the case of timmy stutzel i would assume athletically this guy's an absolute dream as a soccer player to not go the direction of byron munich the national team and then at about 12 or 13 make the decision i know what you're saying as far as growth but how difficult now forget about germany i'll probably go more into slovakia and czech republic and some of the poor countries like i was in belarus the hell would make you play ice hockey with the cost of it when the attraction to soccer and my ability to play 24 seven is just sitting right there. That's a, that's a major uphill climb for the national hockey no, league. I agree, but a couple of good role models might, yeah. might help that, you know, and, and that's, that's all you can hope. It's worth the, with, worth the try for me. Um, and I think, uh, I think there's already a bit of a foundation there. So if you can, if you can um, attack that, I think it's worth the try. Yeah. Well, we'll certainly um, enjoy today's game. Uh, what yeah. were you going to say? Sorry. We have two cu- two questions, I think, uh, okay, yeah. that we're going to Abs- take. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Let's fire up a couple of questions here on a Thursday. <laughs> What's the craziest, craziest thing you guys have seen a fan do in the stands while scouting? Uh, craziest what, thing what, a fan has ever done? I, I, I can't think of other than, yeah. God, once in a while you end up having a few fights in the stands or... Yeah. Um, but no, I, 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 be quite honest with you, Justin, I, I don't know of anything. I, years no. ago, I was at the World Championships in Switzerland and the Hungarian fans were there and they started setting off all the torches um, <laughs> that ended up catching on fire with some of the different signs. So I'll probably go with that. Did you say anything wild yeah, along the way? No, nothing, nothing too crazy. I, I remember one time I was shocked in Quebec <laughs> there was a shooter girl at the uh, you know afternoon Sunday game everyone comes from church and there's a girl going around with shots and people buying them and all that uh the mascot in Shawinigan uh Tomahawk he's a little crazy he's jumping all over the place on the four-wheeler he's a he's a wild man so that that'd be one uh one thing I that sticks out in my mind but yeah, yeah uh, the other one I would have saw back in the day was Claude the Trumpeter, who originally started in Quebec City, worked all over the place, uh, became famous. He was in Providence, Rhode Island, usually a little bit lit up, you know, would start drinking, <laughs> yeah. start doing his horn. You'd see him afterwards. He's just absolutely hammered. But he's in Providence. He starts running down the steps and he'd do this fun bounce off the glass. Well, not a big crowd in Providence on a Sunday. Old Claude the Trumpeter goes right through the glass, right <laughs> onto the ice. And I'm thinking, first of all, is he hurt? But it looked like a child because all of a sudden he went to pick up his horn and his horn was broken and he fortunately was able to come off, but he was a character and that was one of the things that, uh, the standout (laughs) and, and with a question that quick, I bet if we had more time, we'd come up with 10 different things, but uh, thanks very much for the question. What else we got here to close out on a good old Thursday. Do we prefer Timmy on a strong or offside on the PP? Um, You go ahead first, Jess. What do you think? I, I'm torn on this. I think if I think like in my perfect world, and that's maybe a little crazy, that if you can have a like a little free flowing on the PP where you could kind of 
switch sides and just kind of create confusion. I think the whole mm-hmm. game on the power play, well, the whole game, but power play, especially movement, creating, filling in certain spots, have a guy move and then someone else mm-hmm. filling in that mm-hmm. spot. I mean, you see it in soccer all the time, the good teams, it's just always filling in that hole and moving. So, so in a perfect world, he can do both. Um, and, and then you're just creating confusion from uh, the, de- the the defenders. That's where I'm at. Uh, and I, yeah. think, I think our game's going that way more instead of saying you're static on this side, static on that side. Mm-hmm. I think if you can, if creating those lanes and overlapping and, and those things, I, th- I think it uh, it goes a long way. Yeah, I, I look at the power plays and I was blessed to have your grandfather and your uncle and watching them early on. And they were some of the best of the special teams and what they tended to do. And I won't go into old names, but yeah. certainly was an overload on the national size. And I will actually was old Dale Hunter, Michael Pavonk and Dimitri Kristich and people are there to cap stuff are like, I thought we never hear those names again. Now that yeah. play was very effective. Goal mouth to Kristich, then teams started scouting it. To your point, it's scouted. So first of all, you have to be changing things up. But there is no doubt in my mind, and this was one of my critiques going into last year, how you don't have to bring it on his offside. That person running the half wall, yeah. learned this from Adam Oates, your ability to dish to the defenseman down low, your shooting position. Having said that, you need to rotate it. But when Timmy Stutza, now he'll watch, he'll score. But when he rolls off that left side half wall, there's not much of a look there, Justin. We saw Mike Hoffman a few years ago had the ability, that rare time and shot to come off of the left side and score short side. It's just really difficult. So I like the offsides. I like the one-timers. doesn't have to be perfect, but more to yours. Hey, there's enough talent here. I'd be throwing just a ton of different looks at teams now. You go in healthy as much as 10 deep. So why not rotate it around? And as you said, just don't become stagnant. I don't care how good your power play is. We saw this with Toronto last year. You know, teams are going to figure you out, take some things away. And I think that's probably what we're seeing with Alexander Ovechkin right now, that finally people realize he ain't going anywhere. And he's a little bit slower than he used to be. So let's just take away the one-timer. Yeah. It's, and then the power play has changed too over time. Like I, they, it's kind of like they keep three guys almost high. You used to have that kind of that over the one guy funnel under while the other guy follows the guy across the ice. Now you almost have three guys on on the on the points or the the three shooters. Mm-hmm. It's it's interesting. The games, you know, every year it's just changing a little bit, a little bit. So. Um, that's what makes it fun and gives us something to talk about. So, yeah, exactly. And appreciating the questions, uh, anytime, any day, uh, we'd like to try to close off the show and for Sens fans right now, under an hour till puck drop. No, it's been a weird week, not having a game since Saturday. Uh, I think there's anticipation, excitement, Alfie behind the bench. Now it switches from mode of being super fan of everybody that's over in Sweden, including all the Sens fans, Justin to getting down to work. So we certainly hope everyone will enjoy the game. Yeah. Uh, we'll have plenty to talk about after we'll look forward to tomorrow on a Friday, wrapping up the week with Nick Kiprios and obviously be a ton of Sens talk. Uh, thanks for tuning in. And uh, Justin, thanks for having your time today on this fine Thursday in the nation's capital. All right, here we go. Yeah, and stay classy, Ottawa. Until next time, over and out. <laughs> and that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the sick podcast Simmer Down with John Simpson on YouTube, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.